Eyes peeled, everyone. It's time for the full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Full 10 Yards College Football Podcast. We're back and we're going to be discussing everything that's been on your timeline the past week. We're going to be discussing pro day numbers today. From both a positive and a negative standpoint, so we're going to bring you some winners and losers and just generally just see what we're all thinking about these pro day numbers because there's going to be some salt that's going to be taken with these numbers for sure because, you know, there's been some quick times. I think even I could run a 4-4 this year. Um, so, lads, we're joined by pretty much everyone this week, Liam, Andy, Raj and Kieran. Uh, lads, bring you in. Obviously, everyone's glued to Twitter, everyone's glued to everywhere, but there's a lot of takes flying around and hopefully we'll be, uh, yeah, giving out some of our own. So like I say, some winners and losers from us all, but all good, all good with everyone today. Yeah, doing good. Like you yeah. say, just trying to take in all the information. <laughs> yeah, and then obviously get it down into the draft guide as well. So man. Yeah, that's it. That's been my job so far. It's been quite, it's been quite therapeutic actually, just going through and just like checking out these guys, like reading over everyone that I didn't bother to like look at in the process. Obviously, the, the guys that you did, and, and just looking through that. So yeah, it's been it's been quite enjoyable. Yeah, and obviously that'll be out. And uh, when all the pro day numbers are in, obviously everyone will get their second copy uh, for the digital. And obviously we'll be able to send out the printed copies as well. So yeah, I was peeled for that over the next few days. So just some uh, some deliveries from the postman, um, which will be uh, lighting up your letterbox. Um, but yeah, we want to start off with just a bit of a chat, really, because obviously, as mentioned, context is very, very important. And Liam, you've been talking in the group chat about this. So I'll kind of just hand over to you and Take it away on the context of these numbers and kind of keeping everything in check and keeping, you know, keeping our heads really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's just, um, you're absolutely right. Yeah, context in terms of what normally is the, the combine and now the pro day numbers that we're having this year. There's um, The reason why I think we're having this discussion is from a couple of messages that I started uh, sending between us. And I just feel like there's it's that time of year when everything is being scrutinised every Every player, every position is is getting measured, recorded, and there's so many numbers uh, that that I'm recording that, that I'm sort of fine with from from guys. They kind of, uh, you know, sharp. It's all about box ticking, isn't it? As long as something isn't terrible, then um, and you you got your chance to to show that you're a, you're an athlete, and then the tape speaks for the the player that you are. And there's a lot that every year you see a lot of things get blown out of proportion. I think in in a few areas and. Um, in different uh, positions and I, so it's, it's just about um, how in the way that pro day numbers are used I think to project and rank players I think just just needs to kind of be reined in a little bit I feel it's just about building an athletic profile um, it's always yeah it's just a long-winded way of saying you know the, tick your boxes and that it's your tape first really isn't it in this time of year yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're recording on the Wednesday evening, so I've had LSU and Florida Pro Days. So this is why Twitter's lighting up. You know, we're talking about these numbers that are coming out from like Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, and even like other players off those teams as well. You know, Terrence Marshall's having a great day. And, um, you know, people are jumping out the gym and, and running super quick times. So, yeah, like you say, it's about kind of supplementing this information with what you've actually seen over the past year, isn't it, on tape and things like that. But, um Kieran, obviously you're gonna you're gonna come in and you're gonna talk a bit later on about a player that's not done so well, but you know it doesn't change what you're gonna see on film, really, does it? You know, it's not gonna change your grade too much. The, the reason why um, 
And I think a lot of people feel this way. Everyone obviously gets caught up in what they see at the Combine and Pro Days and stuff. They're like, wow, this guy's super athletic. But back in the 1995 draft, there was a player by the name of Mike Mamula. And he he went ham at the Combine. And he was one of the first players to specifically train for the Combine. And he put up some amazing numbers. Subsequently drafted seventh overall by the Philadelphia Eagles. And consistently underperformed i think the the two words that are most used to describe mike mamula are workout warrior he he overperformed and i think really this case especially really kind of called the combine into question uh, to a certain extent because it shows that you can be really really good at these athletic tasks that realistically have fuck all to do with football but they they kind of prove the athleticism of a player but but we see that 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 doesn't matter in the long run he was obviously trained brilliantly for the combine and that combine performance got him drafted in the first round but if you look at the production they got out of him and the amount of injuries he had throughout his career he wasn't worth more than maybe a fifth or sixth so that's why i'm always very very skeptical of what we see at the combine You know, we see guys like Antonio Brown, who didn't have particularly great combine numbers or pro day numbers, you know, ended up being one of the best receivers in the league for a certain amount of time. And guys like Julian Edelman, who don't even get invited to combines and host their own pro days and turn out to be, you know, potentially Hall of Fame level players in the league. I know he played a different position in college, but the point still stands. And yeah, I, I... Obviously, it's exciting to see players that I like or players that I've been looking at post these sort of numbers. But in my mind, the combine really doesn't mean that much. And I think me and Liam were actually in agreement in that point of despite someone posting maybe a blazing fast time or or a great vertical or a great broad jump, you should really temper your expectations and go by what you see off film rather than what you see them doing at a combine. Raj, I'll bring you in. How much stock are you placing in the combine overall and then how much stock are you placing it this year given the circumstances well to be honest the the combine is really a a secondary opinion on what you see on the tape if there's something that the tape shows and maybe the combine doesn't then you start to maybe question a few things uh or likewise if there's something on the tape that you didn't see but then the combine numbers blow up you're thinking right i need to go and have maybe go and have a look at that tape again to see do I see that athleticism on tape? I'll give you the example, example this week. I looked at Milton Williams. There was so much buzz on Twitter that his numbers were comparable to Aaron Donald. And I was thinking, right, I, I haven't watched too much tape of this player. Watched some of his tape at Louisiana. And I was thinking, no, I, I don't like what I see here. And, and, and it's very much a case, especially this year, a lot of players have, have opted out due to COVID. So they've had a year to prepare for this. So you would think, you should be posting some decent numbers in the combine if you've had a year to prepare someone like Jamar Chase, for example. I don't want to rock the boat there, <laughs> Kieran. Oh, look at that face. <laughs> but, um, but uh, no, it, it, it's one of those things. If, if you, uh, like um, someone like Jarvis Landry, I, I look at from a few years ago, his combine was absolutely atrocious. Kate came, got, still got drafted in the second round and he's proven to be one of the best slot receivers in the league. And, and I think it's just a case of everyone gets excited as well. Uh, we're so close to the draft and all these flash times, you think, oh, yes, they're going to translate into the NFL, for example. But who runs a straight 40-yard route? For, for me, the, the most important bit of the 40-yard is the first 10-yard split. And 
uh, with the 40 yard, your hands in the dirt. So uh, probably it's, I look at it from maybe an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman for that 10 yard split as a more important number than for maybe for a wide receiver or a running back the full 40 yards. Because if you've, if you've got that explosion in the first 10 yards, then that, that's more transferable, in my opinion, than, than a full 40 yard straight line speed. Um, but everyone has their different opinions. But I think for me, the tape is number one. Uh, and if there's anything that doesn't, if there's anything very unathletic compared to what the tape says, then it may lead you to revisit that. If not, if you have a, a decent combine or a decent pro day, that's good enough for me. Andy, is it just like a bit of American glitz and glamour then? Is it just kind of there to catch our excitement? What, what's really annoying is the kind of, uh, like all the quarterback sort of throws, isn't there? That like everyone goes mental for them. They, the, the quarterback t- takes the ball, rolls out, to, to their blind side and then and then just chucks the ball down into the end zone and everyone the same video just gets repaid on repeat until the next one does it and it's so frustrating I mean it's just like when are they ever going to be able to have about 10 minutes to set their feet and just chuck it to a receiver who's gone in, unimpeded down first it's just that kind of thing isn't it but I mean I'm, for me it's all about kind of um, the guys that, that completely like underperform to an extent where it's almost laughable and that kind of that that's the only guys that it really impacts for me because it just shows that maybe that they're not taking their craft seriously um you know it's it's just a bit embarrassing that that they haven't really put like a a reasonable set of numbers on all the guys that are just putting up average numbers and no one's taking any notice of absolutely fine absolutely spot on that's all you need to do is just turn up make sure teams have got a good idea of your personality you you answer the questions well in the interview bit and then just make sure you've got a decent little uh, a decent bit of athletic profile as, as Liam was saying earlier but the, it's the guys that come in and just like stink the place out of the ones where you've kind of got to question their attitude as well mm. and I guess that that's what teams find important when they sit down with them and, and ask the questions and stuff that's the that's the killer bit there from, from the combine itself yeah, absolutely. That's going to like supplement the interviews that they have, isn't it? And if they don't kind of impress in the interviews as well, couple that with, you know, some lazy athletic workouts, then, you know, you're going to be bombing that down that draft board, aren't you? But yeah, no, it's, it's an interesting conversation. It's, it, it's one of those, isn't it, where it can go either way. Some people put a heck of a lot of stock in it. Some people get a heck of a lot of, you're really, really excited about it. And then, I mean, we've got guys on here who've just said that we're not you know, putting too much stock in it, especially this year. For me, it's one of those things where it should only really matter if it's not if it's not something you've seen on tape. You know, if it's someone who, I don't know, like Henry Rugg last year, we could see on tape, he was super fast. He went out, he won a super fast 40 time. Don't count it twice, you know what I mean? I think um, that's really, really important. Don't kind of boost your draft profiles and your draft grades on something that you've already seen on tape. And that's really, really important. It's only if it's really surprising that you get, well, yeah, that guy's maybe worked out for it. But like we've all said, I think we all agree that Tape is the number one, tape's the king kind of thing, not numbers and like stats, as Kieran said, and things like that. Um, but yeah, without further ado, then let's go and talk about some winners and let's overreact to all these really fast 40 times that we've kind of talked about all, all day. One little nugget, though, before I kind of move on, something that I mentioned before, uh, the RAS, the Relative Athletic Score by MathBomb, so at MathBomb, shout out, um, does loads of good work around this time of year around the combine kind of boils it down if someone doesn't know what this is it kind of boils it down to a metric between one and ten taking into account you know historic data uh, from the position and actually so far the average RAS is actually down on the past few years so all the people saying everyone take this with a grain of salt and things like that it's actually down by 0.1 so it's down from uh, 5.37 to 5.29 so there are thereabouts 
no 0.1 and it's the lowest that it has been since 2016 and that is so far you know we've not had everyone's pro day yet and it's not the proper combine but maybe worth mentioning you know maybe the the numbers aren't as inflated as they first seem um but yeah, i thought it might be worth mentioning that little nugget so let's move on then move on to our players that we're going to talk about today and kind of people that have been catching our eye guys should we get it out of the way and let kieran talk about jamal chase first <laughs> go on mate take it away Hey, I know I said I don't put much stock in combine time. So take everything I say here as just an excited LSU fan, happy to see the greatest receiver to ever grace the college field finally make his step towards becoming the greatest receiver to ever play in the NFL. A blazing fast 4.38. Uh, sorry, four point yeah yeah four point three eight, which is faster than Justin Jefferson, who I think we can agree was rookie of the year last year. Faster than Stefan Diggs, AJ Brown, and DeAndre Hopkins. Guys, I've just listed there, all legends of the game, potentially all of famers as well. Extremely talented. Forty-one inch vertical. Don't know if you know, but that's like an inch more than forty. That's a pretty big jump. He he is. He's he's exceptional, like physical athlete, you know, 11 foot broad jump, just ridiculous. It, look, the thing I'm going to say about Jamar Chase is the pro, the pro day is impressive. Sure. But like I said, you're going to need to watch him on tape because the, the things that you don't learn, especially from receivers, because see if quarterbacks, they get a chance to throw. And you can judge their accuracy, their arm, the way they make decisions almost and you can really judge that from a a quarterback's pro day because you get to see a lot of a lot of what they're going to be doing on the field you don't really get to see that from receivers you don't see his great ability to burst you don't see his great hands you don't see his post catch uh balance you don't get to see the way he creates separation you don't get to see the way he high points balls over receivers so yeah while this is a very very impressive um combine sorry pro day from the greatest receiver to ever do it at the college level the 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 proof is in the pudding so if you go watch the tape and you'll see what i'm talking about and you'll see why he's so impressive and you'll see why he's so highly touted and for a guy like jamar chase and the guy i'm going to talk about later as well i don't think the pro day does a whole lot for him especially when he puts up these good numbers it just cements in people's minds who care about this sort of thing what they already knew they knew he was great they knew he was going to be a first round pick they know he's wide receiver one in this draft and they just sort of helps solidify it in their mind that okay this is the guy in this draft that everyone should be looking at who everyone should take we've seen the same with a, a guy who i know everyone is going to mention a tight end who i know one of you guys is going to mention this just solidifies how good like his athletic ability is. But when he gets in the NFL, that's that's where we're going to see the real Jamar Chase shine. That's where we're going to see him being special. That's where we're going to see the phrase most change to chase because of how he high points balls over receivers. This is where we're going to see him shine. And this is where we're going to see this very special young man take his first steps on the path to greatness when he lands with a team in the NFL. He, I mean, kind of, does he fall into this category, though, about what uh, we just raised up before, where he's had a year to train for the combine? And he doesn't really move him, does it? You know, he's not going to change his draft position too much. You know, he's going to be going in the top 10 no matter what. The fact that he's still wide receiver one 
on almost every single person's board, despite the fact that skinny little dude from Alabama won a Heisman last year, I think says a lot about his talent and what a lot of people have seen on tape, because everybody who's seen his tape and watched his tape will say he's wide receiver one. If you're putting Smith or Waddle above him, you've just not watched enough tape. And, and that's just the facts of the matter. You watch, I know he had Joe Burrow thrown to him, who is probably the greatest college football quarterback who's ever lived. 60 touchdowns, stats don't lie, baby. But like I said, stats don't matter. It's the tape that you got to watch. He is Instant just... contradiction. <laughs> Look, you see the jumper, you see the background, you, you see the hat. You see it too often. But yeah, it, 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 is, it is the tape that will do it for this guy. And if you've watched the tape, you'll know how special he is. You know how exceptional he is. You know how he clearly is an NFL talent and could have gone to the draft last year if it wasn't for the stupid bloody rules they have. And he would have been up there with Jefferson in conversation for rookie of the year. And if it wasn't for maybe Justin Herbert going out there, he potentially could have won rookie of the year as well. So uh, I think it's just very important to keep an eye uh, on the tape, just, just to keep things in perspective with these players, despite the combine numbers they put up. The the reason that this was so important for Chase is um, because it's like, it's a question of work ethic and, because we've had a, obviously this strange year of, of opt-outs and that NFL scouts and coaches are going to show up and want to see Jamar Chase perform because they want to know that he cares and he that he's been staying in shape and working out that he wants to stay at the top of his game. If he'd have um, showed up today and run 4.44, 40, I'd have been happy with that. that. That would have been good enough for me in terms of what he shows on tape. If he showed up, and ran uh, for 55, then that, that's suddenly question marks. That shows like that he hasn't been putting the work in. This is why this is what it's all about. It's uh, again, we use the phrase ticking boxes with, with Chase. He, he showed up and he proved that he's, he's serious about being the best receiver in this class. And, and uh, now the workout backs up the tape. I think today also proved as one of those intangibles as well, that he's, there was a little bit of pressure on him today because obviously he was forgotten about for a year in the sense that he did opt out and uh, Devontae Smith ended up winning the Heisman. So he was the cool name, the sexy name for, for this year's draft. And it's about reminding everyone, okay, Jamar Chase is still here. He's still wide receiver one. And he went and proved it today. If Again, like, like Liam said, if he did something astronomically bad, then you would, then question his his mental makeup but today he deal with the pressure you've got to remember all these head coaches gms everyone's there watching him and he had to put on a show he put on a show and that's all you that's all you needed from him today he's done his bit he's ticked his box he's cemented himself in the top like i say i was probably being a bit uh sort of devaluing it a little bit saying top 10 earlier is going to go way higher than that but um yeah like i say cemented it right up in there the top echelons of the draft Andy, we'll come to you next. Who is uh, who's caught your eye this week? Previously? Yeah, just a, a bit early. I mean, uh, like we're going to have to caveat each pick at each player after we all went round and said uh, <laughs> we don't really value, aren't we? But <laughs> um, so, so I like to look at the the kind of numbers and times of the guys that, that are like the lower echelons of the draft. I think that's the kind of that, that those are the real winners this week. If you put up a big time and and you were already kind of rising up people's boards anyway, then um, then this just like cements that rise and and boosts it even further. So so with that in mind, I've got um, Simi Fahoko, who's the um, wide receiver out of Stanford, um, huge guy, six foot three, two hundred and twenty-two pounds, and and putting that four point four two uh, forty time as well. He's basically like a tight end sort of uh, frame and strength, and and you can tell that 
he's a couple of years older than some of the guys um, that are in the draft alongside him. It took a couple of years out for uh, to act as a as a missionary over in South Korea before starting his college uh, his time at college. So he, he's got a you know a bit of a body development on, on those guys as well, and you can kind of tell from. Uh, for, for, from the kind of way he looks, the way he performs, his, his attitude, his, his interviews and, and stuff like that. So I think, you know, at the start of this process, not many people heard of him. Um, he's kind of slowly bumping up up the rounds, I think, in terms of uh, how much people are liking him. And, and I mean, if you go back and watch the last game that he played this year for, for Stanford against UCLA, 16 receptions for 230 yards and three touchdowns. The guy was an absolute beast in, in that game and, and and the game previous to that he put up 100 yards as well. So that, that kind of, he, he's carrying that momentum on from the end of the season into the into his pro day, um, kind of benefiting from, from Davis Mills throwing in the ball as well, a guy who's kind of also ramping up on people's uh, draft boards at the same time. So, so yeah, there's a, it's just a, a really good player uh, there who's, who's probably, you know, been, you know, so far under the radar, he's not even on it for, for most of the year and that those two last, uh, those last two games and then this combine performance uh, short, sort of just saying, you know, I, I'm here, come and get a bargain in the later rounds. And it's it's one of those ones where if he turns up and he plays uh, like a stud, then he's going to be, you know, an absolute steal. But if he doesn't, then you're not, you're not going to have, you know, paid a King's ransom. He can be cut. He can probably perform on special teams. He's, he's going to be a great gunner with that frame and that, that 40 time as well, isn't he? So, uh, yeah, definitely a guy that, that I'm, I'm constantly getting more and more uh, good feelings about, it. and I hope that he's. I uh, hope he really, you know, rockets up to those third, fourth uh, round sort of picks that, that that teams are going to be making. He was in your draft sleepers wide receiver article not too long ago, wasn't he? He's, yeah, I remember. Yeah. yeah, so it's one that's kind of rising up on the boards as you mentioned. Yeah, I just think he's he's got just all the kind of intangibles. I think some team will be teams will be down on him because he's a bit older and how much development he's got to do. His he's, his route running is incredibly raw, um, but but then all of the ingredients are there, aren't they? The big, strong, quick. He can be a kind of inch in line, you know, quick guy that, that sits on the outside and uh, and goes up and, and wins those contested catches with that huge frame he's got. So so yeah, I, I'm high on him. I'm, I'm sure some teams will uh, be looking at him and thinking, God, we could get a real bargain there. A bit of a chase clay ball sort of player, um, someone like that. So yeah, bit, big fan. That's the that's the comparison that I was going to make actually, Clay, uh, Claypool, because he destroyed the combine, didn't he? That's it. Also, also Nikhil Harry, kind of, you know, that, that didn't work out too well. A big guy who can run fast in a straight line. Also Canadian, <laughs> like Chase Claypool, but it, it, it's one of those things, these big guys are way harder to grade because you're not going to... They, they could put up... Like, with big guys, when they're fast, it's very, very impressive. Uh, uh, and that gets a lot more eyes on them because it's very like with Kyle Pitts, it's very hard to be absolutely gigantic and fast. So, so it is very impressive. But, but oh. it, it, it's seeing what they can do in the NFL. Yeah, that's it. And I think, but the thing with Harry isn't it? it's just I don't think you'll find anyone who who thought he was he wasn't overdrafted. I mean, the Patriots obviously took a took a swing at him, and the, the fact that he could be that big outside guy that kind of been lacking. But um, you know, he, was he came off the board before guys like AJ Brown. That's it. DK Metcalf, and it it might be one of the biggest draft busts in in recent years. I I think in terms of, I think he's caught like two touchdowns his entire career, and for a guy drafted in the first round, that's absolutely abysmal. And the Patriots needed that depth at wide receiver and didn't get it. He was very much one of the you know he's outperformed by Jacoby Myers, an undrafted free agent. So 
like you know what I mean it's yeah that, that's the point about the tape though isn't it because everyone who watched Harry's tape could tell you you couldn't separate uh, and, and that's exactly the problem we're seeing time and again now isn't it so, so this is why the kind of it's okay to take a punt on these big guys in the later rounds because like I say mm. if it doesn't pay off then you're not like you know you're not going to be labeled the world's biggest bust you're just a late round guy that didn't stick on the roster you're also not super regretting the pick as well. It's not like you've wasted where you could have got an elite tackle or a great linebacker or, or something like that. It it very, it very, these, these guys very much benefit from the combine because it could be the difference from going in the second or third or like early in the second to late in the second. And, you know, over, over the course of your first few years in your career, that's, that's millions of dollars of difference. So it definitely does make difference, especially for the bigger guys, because when you see them, post these times it is a lot more impressive than you know some of the guys who are like six foot 200 pounds the jamar chases and and the, the rashad batemans and stuff of the world because you expect them to be fast but when you see the big guys do it it's just thoroughly more impressive yeah absolutely um i think yeah i think you're right, right and it's the difference isn't it between a first round bust because you kind of believed in the combine and believed in the workout versus a let's say a fifth sixth for someone like Foko, and it doesn't really matter no one really cares no one really mentions it again and you know, life goes on, the NFL kind of keeps spinning and, and just kind of gets forgotten about and no one gives like really two thoughts to it. I'm going to stay on. I'm going to talk about a corner who I think has, has done a lot recently and, and rose up the draft boards of a lot of people. Um, I think if you can club in all the corners, but there's been a lot of really, really impressive performances at the Combine from, from cornerbacks. My guy, JC Horn, absolutely destroying it. Uh, Pat Sertain was like a tick behind. He was very, very impressive as well. And obviously with Caleb Farley's microsurgery on his back, uh, I can't remember the actual name of the surgery that he's had, but uh, basically sorting out a bulging disc or something like that, I feel. Um, yeah, they're kind of cementing themselves as the top two guys. After that, you know, it's free-for-all, isn't it, really? You know, we've got uh, Melifonwu, who Karen obviously mentioned a couple of weeks ago. We've got the Georgia guys. And then we've got the guy who I'm going to mention is Greg Newsom from Northwestern. Kieran, I know you've talked about Greg Newsom a lot and you've kind of said that, you know, he's, there's a lot there on tape, there's a lot there to like. Injuries have been the problem. But, yeah, he uh, he had a great week at the Combine. Um, he's, you know, he's over six foot, which is kind of a nice threshold to beat. He ran just under 4'4", so he got a 3'4", uh, 4'3'9", sorry, in his 40, 40-inch 40 vert. You're kind of hitting all these little thresholds that NFL teams set. And I feel like, you know, with Caleb Farley slipping down, although he's going to be an athletic beast as well. You know, he ran a great 40 time on Instagram or something like that a few weeks ago. I feel like Newsom is kind of ticking all these boxes for someone to take a swing. Someone like the Vikings, maybe at 14 or something like that, could overdraft him. They always love big athletic tackle, uh, tackles, corners. They love big athletic tackles as well, actually. Um, would be another one for the Vikings at 14, perhaps. But yeah, I just feel like even though a lot of these corners are doing really well in these athletic tests, and I think Greg Newsom is one of these that's kind of rising up. I think if the medicals check out, I think he'll obviously get checked over by a lot of team doctors over the next few weeks and months. I think, well, not months, not got that much time, weeks. And um, yeah, I think he's going to be rising up and I think he's, he's all there because, you know, tape is really impressive, as we mentioned. Take that one off. Really good performance. And Raj, you've mentioned obviously earlier on about the splits. His 10-yard split was one and a half seconds. So you've got that burst. You've got that burst to be able to keep up with these incredible athletes. And you've also got 18 reps on the bench press as well, which is really, really high up for a wide, uh, a wide receiver. I've got to get on the position mix up of a corner of his size as well. So um, even as a lighter guy, he's got a lot of strength. He's got a lot of speed. You're going to be able to hang with some guys. Kieran, I want to kind of bring you in. 
what do you think about Greg Newsom? Is it going to change anything, the fact that he's made a big performance on his, his pro day at Northwestern? Uh, to an extent. Uh, I think, obviously, he's, he looked good throughout the season. And like we mentioned with uh, Farley having the surgery, that that matters to a lot of teams. Look, last year, I thought Thaddeus Moss, um, tight end, out of LSU had a great 2019 season and the fact that he had to have foot and knee surgery just pushed him out, pushed him out the draft. So I, I think we can't understate how important the surgery is because I, I had him as high as fourth round in, in some respects and that totally pushed him out of the draft. I, I know that's not particularly impressive for a tight end who did what he did, but the, the surgery will matter and that could potentially bring Greg Newsom up given that some teams might want might not want to take a guy who's had a surgery given that it could potentially complicate things when it comes into camp. Now, Caleb Farley is an absolute stud. And I think athletically he's one of the best corners in the class. And I know I like put up Patrick Sertain there, but that's strictly from physical ability that he is as good as he is. And that's athleticism that doesn't come around along, but Greg Newsom is, Everyone's going to, you know, he's one of those guys who works hard and you can tell that by what he's done at his pro day. He does work hard. He is willing to go in. Uh, he's a blue, blue collar player. And I know everyone's thinking that's just sort of a euphemism for white. Uh, uh, when we talk about NFL guys, you know, like he's a lunch pail carrying blue collar player, but he, 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 he does work hard and he does have the sort of grit and determination that you're going to need. Uh, at the cornerback position, especially how physical the game is in the NFL and how pass-heavy the game is. You need a guy who's going to have that high motor and who's not going to get tired out uh, late into games, especially, you know, sort of the fourth quarter where we we see some quarterbacks really putting their best work in the last sort of quarter, like Aaron Rodgers' and Tom Brady's uh, of the world. So I, I think that can't be understated. And that's what the combine does show, that a guy is willing to work hard and he is willing to put in an effort to get better. But, I, I I don't see him jumping up more than a few spots, personally. I, I still don't think he's... I mean, he could jump into the first round, but I, I still don't think he's... You, you know, maybe late in the first round. If if a team does need a corner, he's, he's not going to be bad. And I think the Vikings isn't the worst fit in the world, but I, I think he would fit better somewhere like... Especially if the rumours of uh, Stefan Gilmore being traded on draft day are true. I think he would actually fit great at like a New England or something alongside a guy like JC Jackson as, as like a cornerback too, who can really just sort of use his athleticism and, and stuff on the outside of the field. So yeah, it, but he also has that disadvantage of being from a school like Northwestern where they don't get a lot of primetime games and people haven't heard a lot about him, which is why as much as I don't, put much stock in him is why the combine actually is important at some points for these smaller players to sort of show that hey I am athlete I am a try I do have a home motor and and I am worth a pick and I think that's where this will benefit him yeah absolutely I completely agree I mean there's there's a lot of good corners that have put in a good performance as mentioned and a lot of big corners as well which obviously is in vogue at the minute if you're big if you're tall if you're athletic if you can run fast then that's what's needed to cover some of these guys down the field you know uh, Trill Williams is another one. You've got Tyson Campbell and Eric Stokes as well, even though he's not, I don't think he's actually over six foot, is he? But you know, both putting in great combines. And then you guys that you're talking about in the lower, just to kind of do a little bit of a round and off of the cornerbacks that I've kind of been looking at for this uh, for this podcast. 
Robert Rochelle from Central Arkansas put in a great time as well. And obviously he's had a bit of time. He's had a bit of time on screen with obviously the crazy schedule that they kind of played early on in the college football season. But yeah, definitely kind of, again, kind of reminding people who he is, where he is and kind of what he's all about in terms of his athletic profile. So yeah, really important for those small guys, um, that small school guys, should I say. It's upsetting to me that the most attention Robert Rochelle got is when he paid, played against Trey Lance. That that was a, another thing. He's clearly like a very good corner and, I, I didn't put him super high on the draft guide, but I said he's definitely got the talent to be an NFL guy, but you obviously have to take into consideration the competition he's playing against, but he's definitely show, showed enough to be drafted in my eyes. Raj, we'll come to you. Uh, so I'm going to talk about the pro day darling, probably so far this, these last couple of weeks, which is Rondell Moore. Now it's very interesting that you guys mentioned injuries with regards to Caleb Barley because that, I think that's really what I wanted to see in Rondell Moore because he's had two big hamstring injuries and you want to see whether he's got that explosiveness and his his forty time of four point two nine and his his vertical of forty three inches that shows that those hamstrings are fully repaired the explosion is there. Um, well, I know I'm, I'm maybe diverting towards uh, sort of a football analogy, but you look at um, similar ages where Michael Owen had two big hamstring injuries and that pretty much uh, derailed his career in terms of his pace. And you don't want something similar to happen to someone like Rondell Moore. And I think what the combine proved today is he is stupidly fast. He's stupidly athletic. And what you have to take into account with Rondell Moore is you just bid in the 2020 tape. And you just focus on his freshman tape because the 2020 tape, the Purdue offense sucked. And they were asking him to basically, just throwing laterals or putting him in motion or jet sweeps and just saying, go on, we'll just, we'll just throw you the ball or give you the, or hand off the ball and you go and take on the whole defense by yourself. You can't, you can't take that tape any uh, seriously. And even the 2018 freshman tape where he completely exploded, the Purdue offense, I don't think really gets the best out of him so it's very much a case of right his his hamstrings are, are all fine his, his explosiveness is still there and I, I think I think all of us are higher than than maybe the consensus are, are on Rondell Moore whereby if you put him in the right offense he could absolutely shine so with a bit of creativity playing in the slot not as a wide receiver one but as a wide receiver two he, he could cause havoc People are comparing him to Steve Smith. He's, he's different to Steve Smith in terms of like Rondell Moore's more explosive. But he, if he's in the right team with that creativity and offense, he's going to be just fine. Um, one, one interesting thing, actually, from the, the measurables is he was actually before uh, the, the pro day. He was just at 5'9", but he's actually 5'7". So that that may scare some teams a little bit, but... At the end of the day, you've just got to put on his freshman tape and also understand the, the offensive play calling at Purdue wasn't great throughout his time there. And he was the wide receiver once, so he was uh, double coverage at times as well. So put him in the right NFL team and I think he will flourish. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm always here for Rondell Moore being bigged up. One of my favourite players in the draft, leg day king. Uh, but Liam, I wanted to come to you because you, you've got um, some interesting points that you've been making in our group chat recently about, about this player. Yeah, he's a running back. Um, after the uh, the height is a, is a big concern for me. He's been, um, yeah, as Raj said, measured at 5'9 all season. It shows up for his 
um, pro day gets measured at uh, five foot seven and five foot seven on the dot as well. Five oh seven and zero eight, uh, one eighth away from being a five foot six, which they, they might even have done him a favour there. He could have measured at five foot six on another day. Um, and to me, I instantly thought that will move him down a lot of boards. Um, as a receiver, I think that five seven is is very short and given he does sometimes struggle with his his hands i think his catch radius is a big weakness and skill set and that height measurable to me as just taking his athletic profile from the pro day it matches up with uh the profile of a running back given his uh injury history um it might be something to think about it's obviously like gadget player is a term that's going to be used on him as much as anyone in the draft. Um, but uh, yeah, I just thought it was an, in, an interesting thought. Does anyone feel like that that is a viable option? Kieran, you've got your hand up, sorry. Yeah, the only question that raises is a couple of years ago, very notable, Jalen Hurd, Hurd, not Hurts, who was a running back at, I think, Tennessee, or he either moved to Tennessee or he from Baylor he's he switched to wide receiver just because of the longevity of the position and obviously we see that running backs don't really get paid as much as they should do you do you think he should switch stay to receiver cl- clearly from a longevity and monetary standpoint or do you think that the it would just be advantageous for him to switch to running back and potentially be running back one at a team that maybe has a need for a, a small speedy guy like that. Yeah, he's, I've got no problem with um, him being drafted as a wide receiver. I'm being a little bit facetious calling him a running back. It just the athletic profile. Kind of, I went back as well over the last couple of um, draft years and looked at guys in that kind of height slash fast speed uh category so if you take the the draft last year i compared kj hamler and clyde edwards hilaire and by on tape rondell moore kind of matches them a bit but athletic profile plus tape to me he matched up better with clyde edwards hilaire than he did kj hamler similarly go back uh two years i looked at i think andy isabella and a couple of the running backs and again he matched up better with the running back it's just in terms of just looking purely at the numbers and as an athletic profile yeah, that was interesting to me that that's how he, he kind of matched up better but i'm not suggesting that he's he's not going to get drafted as a wide receiver i think he should be still it's just another, a lot of jet just another thing to, yeah he's already doing it he's already <laughs> it's as he's in that category of gadget player slash trick player as as anyone especially given his lack of games as well thing is what you've got to remember with him he's only 20 years old as well so there is plenty of scope for development maybe we haven't seen the full toolbox yet of Rondell Moore like I said I don't think Purdue put him in the best light so again put him in a, a more creative offense I don't know maybe if Andy Reid maybe got his hands on him who knows what what he could do in the next level that I think there is plenty more scope for development with him just like and Andy Reid got a hold of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire <laughs> Yes, he might not be fully grown though. He is only twenty, so he might you might get another inch out of him. To be fair, yeah, what potentially twenty one, twenty two is maybe when you stop growing. So there you go, six foot in a in a couple of years, right? <laughs> Close, but 
<laughs> that would that would be the literally the most incredible glow up of all time. <laughs> if he if he measured even let's say five eight and a half at his pro day, I wouldn't have even like brought this up. But I five seven on the dot is is small for a wide receiver. But it's the same height as he's been and he's been lighting up for Pajula. That is college though. Not everyone's as big. Yeah, but it's, it's not like I mean I'm going to talk about it's... small receiver in my losers. He's built though, like he's got thighs for days. He's got booty, like he, he's like built. a good running back. True. So he's yeah, got true. booty. Yeah, he has. Yeah, he's got junk in the trunk. This is the NFL, sir, not a His... catwalk show. <laughs> it's fair enough. Well, General Booty day. is our favourite player, I guess. So <laughs> give it a couple of years. Anyway, we need, well, let's move on. Uh, it's a really interesting conversation, really, really interesting conversation about you know players maybe moving positions and things like that. Um, you know, it'll get muted all the time every single year. Um, Liam, finish us off with a winner. Obviously, we're going to come to you. You're going to talk about a tackle, I believe. I am. I did offensive tackles for the full 10-yard scouting guide. And uh, to a point you made earlier about pro days being not just about backing things up, but also for helping you notice things and changing your mind on, on things that you see on, on tape. I'm going to talk about uh, Spencer Brown from uh, Northern Iowa. Um, he is as big a winner to me as anyone um, because of what he, the athleticism that he showed um, at his pro day. In the uh, scouting guide, I graded him um, probably on just outside on the cusp of the top 10 in the position and I think at the bottom of the fourth. And... Um, he's a huge guy, six foot eight, 311 pounds. He uses that, that size really well. Lateral movement is pretty good, but a lot of the kind of speed, um, foot speed when uh, screening and the kind of athleticism, etc., were kind of areas that I thought was where he was needed improving. So then when he uh, shows up for the Northern Iowa Pro Day and tests as well as he did, um, 4.94. 40 yard dash um broad jump um nine feet nine inches is three cone 6.96 um i'm going to uh we did say we wouldn't hype up numbers but i'm going to do it now anyway with this guy um because i took note of some of the skill position players that um his three cone and broad um compares to so his uh, three cone faster than unc running back javante williams um, same as Javion Hawkins, Louisville running back. His three cones also faster than Emir Smith, Marset, the uh, Iowa wide receiver. And his three cones also faster than Anthony Schwartz, the wide receiver from Auburn, who is an absolute um, speedster. Um, his broad jumps further also than, than Hawkins, also than Khalil Herbert, also um, 155 pound Louisville wide receiver, Tutu Atwell, who's giving up about 55 60 pounds to him that's why it jumps out so much and why he it's not just a, a good performance but a really good pro day performance he's outperforming some really athletic skill player positions and for a guy um yeah six eight 311 was how he measured really really impressive and like i say it didn't show up as much to me anyway uh, on tape for the, the scouting guide so yeah an instant instant winner a little bump up in your in your rankings after this, then because the you know we're talking about small school. I mentioned Robert Rochelle earlier. And yeah, yeah, he put on a show, didn't he? Yeah, I liked Robert Rochelle. I think I had him as a sleeper when we did the cornerbacks, and he is an athlete. So 
former high school athlete. So his fast 40 yard time um, wasn't a surprise to me, but it's when you see numbers that you don't expect, like Spencer Brown did. Mm. Yeah, really, really good. Especially at his height is like a proper 6'8 and 2'8. You know, it's not like he's on the borderline. It's like a proper 6'8. And he, he uses the size and the power really well in his game. And then to, yeah, to have a guy that's six for eight that can, you know, those kind of athletic skill player positions that I mentioned that he's giving up 50 plus pounds to, that he's out jumping on the broad jump and then outperforming in the three cone. Guys that could be first rounders. I mean, Javante Williams is going to be right up there in the running back class. And um, a six for eight, 311 pound guy outrun him in the three cone. Um, yeah, super impressive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm. I'm spoiler alert. I'm going to talk about two to out well for my losers, but you've actually just given me another point because, yeah, like you say, giving up well double his weight and uh, yeah, he's uh, yeah beating him in the three cone, which is kind of strange. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll kind of come back to that one when I kind of talk about um, my losers. But we'll kick that off, Andy. I know you've got to go relatively soon, so we'll we'll come to you for your for your loser. Yeah, and I'll stick with the receivers. Obviously, did it for for the guide and been like going through it for articles and stuff. Like that. so that's it, mate. That's it. And uh, and and one guy who I was really high on a couple of months ago um, is the face of the the wide receiver section in the in the guide. It's uh, Demonte Coxie from Memphis. Um, I mean, first first and foremost, he didn't even get like a, a, a formal combine invite. I know it's fairly meaningless meaningless this year, but. In, in theory, he should be getting, he should be getting one of those to be considered like a, a good solid draft draft pick, shouldn't you? So yeah, not one of those to start with. And then really, I mean, uh, I mean, Kieran's already making these claims. He can he can bench more than him and stuff. All the all this is going on, <laughs> but but I think he might be right for a change. I mean, um, it, awful but awful bench only only four reps, slow forty yard and, and really a slow. Uh, shuttle numbers as well so I mean it, it just kind of it's just something that we're missing with this guy and I mean you look back and he had back-to-back 1,000 yard seasons in 2018 and 2019 obviously a very pass uh, heavy offense at that point for Memphis but you know it's just something there that's, that's not quite right and, and, and you know so I, I think that what I was talking about at the start of the uh, start of the show if, if someone really stinks the place out and then you start to ask questions and, that, and that's really what what I'm getting with Coxie to be honest and and he must be kind of plummeting down the draft boards I mean I'm, I'm currently sat next to uh, the kind of Lindy's sport draft guide uh, as well as our own and, and they've got him fourth fourth fifth round as well which is around where I had him in the guide so I'm just wondering like what, what are we all missing there what's what's kind of going wrong behind the scenes but I wonder if he's if one of those guys that didn't didn't do a whole lot in the in the season and the opt out sort of thing, and, and he's just kind of just dropping off the off the pace, and we're going to see him like slip to undrafted free agency. His, um, I might have asked you this before. His opt out wasn't to do with any kind of negative reason or anything like that, was it? He was just kind of like off the COVID kind of thing. Yeah, that's it. I think, and and I guess there's also also the kind of like. Um, churn and sort of um, staff personnel and stuff like that in Memphis. I mean, you, all that kind of like, same with Gamewell, isn't it? Really, I mean, they all kind of add up as that they knew they were highly productive in, in an offense that was designed to, to kind of make them highly productive rather mm. than a more pro style sort of thing. And, and they, I wonder if they kind of just balked at that um, with all the big numbers they'd put up and, and took their chances. So it could be kind of you know impacting negatively on them now, and we'll, we'll see what see what happens to him basically. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, come on, Kieran. I think it, it speaks to work, work ethic, especially when we go back to the, the the bench press. Like, I am not a big guy. I am 
when I'm at my biggest and healthiest, I'm about 180 pounds sopping wet because I'm a short guy. I'm five foot nine, which, you know, but I I can, (laughs) even when I'm not like in super great shape, I can still bench press the 225 pounds at least 10 times. Might be hard getting it up that 10th time, but four is just abysmal. For, for a guy who's calling himself an NFL level athlete, it's just poor. And I think it speaks to his work ethic because obviously he, he opted out. But like, what the fuck have you been doing? Because if you can't do more than four reps, like what have you actually been doing? Have you just been sat there scratching your balls and eating noodles all off season? Because you can train to do more than four reps on a bench press in literally a month. That's all it takes. Go in and do... 10 reps a day with a 10 minute break between each rep. It's not hard. So, so the fact that he only cranked out four just shows me that he is potentially lazy and and that's not going to translate well into the NFL. Cause when you get to that level and everyone is a freak athlete and only the guys who are literally built out of, you know, born in a, a lab cause they're just so physically gifted even those guys have to work their ass off at the NFL. We see what happens to guys when they don't give it their all in the NFL. It's why JJ Watt's great. It's why Aaron Donald's great. It's why guys like Joe Hayden have been at the top of their game for as long as they have been because they constantly put in the work. I think Joe Hayden last year, his biggest quote was, I lift weights. And you have to you have to put in this work at the NFL level. And if you can only raise a 225-pound weight, up four times, then you're clearly not putting in enough work to be an NFL player. And I would look at that as a GM and, and somebody making these decisions at the draft and say, I don't want him because he clearly does. He clearly doesn't give a shit and he's clearly not going to work hard when he get him here. And you don't want to waste a high pick on a guy who could potentially turn out to be like an Isaiah Wilson or whatever, a guy who clearly is talented, but just doesn't want to put in the work and likes the idea of being a football player more than the actual work that goes into being a football player. Especially for a guy that's like, um, sells himself on a contested catch. You know, if you read into his kind of interviews pre-pro day and stuff, he's talking about how much he likes to, likes to block and how much he likes to get stuck into the physical bit of the game and all that. And, it's just not just doesn't translate well to, to that, does it? So that's one of those occasions where you, you, your words aren't backed up or, or your tape isn't backed up by the by the kind of pro day combine sort of stuff, and it, it's just a little worrying. So I, yeah, I can see him really plummeting. Yeah, it'd be a bit of a shame because he was a player that I was watching out for early in the season or at the beginning of the season as well, uh, preseason. Um, but yeah, I'm going to stay on wide receiver actually because uh, I'm going to talk about a player who didn't even tempt the bench because it's miles bigger than him. Like I said before, I'm going to talk about Tutu Atwell. And, you know, there's not too much in terms of, like, a surprise in, in Atwell's combine or pro day, should I say. You know, still super fast, 4.32 on the 40. Good split times, especially on 10, you know, just under a second and a half. Like you say, poor change of direction. Obviously, Spencer Brown kind of uh, outdoing him on the three-con. Kind of a bit, you know, average for his uh, wide receiver kind of position. But obviously, for a player who is short at five foot eight um, and for very, very light, it's not great that he's not got a lot of flexibility. My kind of question is as well about his explosiveness. I mean, we're not asking him to go up and, you know, go vertical and get get uh, above someone to uh, pluck out or pass out of the air. But, you know, you want that explosivity and those jumps just don't add up to a good sort of explosive profile. Vertical of only 33 inches, like I say, he's not going to be doing that anyway. Broad of only nine feet, nine foot nine. So 
again, kind of really, really low, especially for a player that light as well, because obviously, you know, you want to kind of, you're not asking to lift up 300 pounds like some of these offensive linemen are. You're asking to, like, the smallest player in the draft is not jumping very well. And that's that's a massive, massive red flag. And I mean, don't get me wrong, like, 4-3-2 is a fast time. But when you're that light, you know, you should be flying. You know, we've seen players run way faster than that who are way heavier. It's just an alarm bell. And especially at that size and that height as well. Like, Liam, you were talking about Rondell Moore earlier, you know, are we switching two to Atwell to running back or is he just like a purely returner or what's his role at this, this size? I don't know. Like, can he withstand the NFL is a massive question for me. Yeah. I mean, like you're, you're completely right. I mean, I don't really get, there's been a lot of hype and, and I saw like uh, Daniel Jeremiah like moving right up the, right up the rounds. I think it might have been the first round in one of his draft. It was, yeah, not too long ago. Just, just like, I don't get it at all because there's plenty of slot guys in this draft and there's there's plenty of slot guys that are better than him as well. It just doesn't didn't really like add up to me. If you if you kind of it, there's so many drops on tape and there's so many concentrations to things there. I mean like I, I mean obviously it's worth a flyer in like third sort of uh, third sort of roundish where you're looking for a guy that's gonna get, gonna give you a bit of dynamism all over the field. But I mean I don't I don't get the hype at all really. I, I don't know what I'm missing, but. It just seems a kind of a, 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 a like a bit of a safety blanket over the top, and and that's about it really. But yeah, um, I completely agree. I think like just to, just maybe maybe people got a bit too caught away, and it's all that kind of oh, could he be in a, Could he be like a Tyreek Hill? And that's just like it's a bit painful now, isn't it? Because <laughs> everyone who's like quicker than four four seems and, and under five four ten seems to be Tyreek Hill in the comps, doesn't he? But yeah, that that kind of guy that I, I really I'm really not told on. Yeah, and obviously, you know, another wide receiver from Louisville, Des Fitzpatrick, he ran almost as fast, you know, and he's way heavier. And, um, you know, it's one of them, isn't it? When you see him side by side, it's that juxtaposition. How bad does he look when he kind of, you know, on paper, it's a decent time, but when you take in the context, as we mentioned before, it's not not great, not great, especially when you look at the old profile um, as well, as a whole. Helps um, Devontae Smith, that somebody like Tutu Atwell, that's 155 pounds. Um, can be hyped up to the amount that he has without the the sort of tape of Devontae Smith and Smith getting knocked for his uh, his weight, which actually is is fine given his his tape. But somebody like you you asked me about Atwell being a running back. It, the, the overall <laughs> athletic profile and build isn't nowhere near the same as what Rondell Moore can can do. So yeah, yeah. Atwell's in a tough spot at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. He's, I don't know. I just don't think he can play in the league. Like, I think he's too small. Like, it's, I mean, what's the kind of comparison? You get like specialist pump returners that are like this height, and then they're usually a bit bigger than this because they need to withstand being absolutely smashed by someone who gets a 60 yard run up. So I don't know. I just don't think he'll like survive in the league. I don't know. I think this just really drops him down, probably to an undrafted free agent, if I'm honest. Because I, I, like Andy said, it's not like he's the only slot guy, he's not like he's the only fast guy. There's faster guys, there's good slot guys who can catch and, and make plays and things like that. His production's been good, but yeah, there's plenty of pl- good guys who can do that. Yeah, he doesn't have the tape to back it up, does he? Not from what that, I've seen. That being said, I think I think athletic ability speaks for a lot as well, because the quarterback position, everyone's always looked at guys who are six foot as a bit too small. And you have guys like Kyler Murray coming in who what is he four foot one and he looks like a toddler who's in trouble when he's scrambling out the pocket so I, I think despite height and things like that you can get away with a lot if you have the athletic ability that that maybe uh, an athletic guy who is 
you know, potentially half a foot taller or 20 pounds heavier could maybe not just if you have that athletic ability. He doesn't have the tape to back it up, though. Like, the, I think Mar- let's take Marquise Brown a couple of years ago. I think he was in the 165 range and like he's got the, the tape and the production to back it all up, which which made him the the draft pick he was. Atwell he's, just doesn't. He's got a running back thrown to him. Yeah, I've um, I've actually just done a little experiment as you guys have been talking. Um, I'm on Mon RAS now, and um, you can change the position. His athletic profile boosts up about two points. Boosts from five, just under six, from five point nine four to seven point two two. If you grade him as a running back, uh, like you say, he's not going to do Rondell Moore. <laughs> He's not going to be able to withstand that punishment at you know 155 pounds, but you know it's uh, it's an interesting thing that it boosts up a heck of a lot considering you know the, the just change of position. But like I say, I, I, I believe that on. he's not going to be drafted at this position. But go on, you need to pack on weight to be a running back, though. I feel. Oh yeah, for sure, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, because yeah. obviously small running backs can be successful, and everyone's going to hate this. But Clyde Edwards-Helaire is literally like five foot. I'm joking. He 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 weighs. I think it's like he's five foot six, maybe at a push when he's wearing cleats, and but he's two hundred and twenty pounds, so he's literally built like a, a a fucking square basically, and I think the weight is the biggest part in the NFL because you're getting hit, especially if you're a, a wide receiver, you're gonna get it getting hit in the middle of the field by 250 pound linebackers or 220 pound safeties. And it's rare a corner weighs in at under 200. I mean, there are the guys and I'm going to talk about in a minute, but I think 200 pounds should be the the standard weight for a lot of these players. And I know you can kind of lose a bit of burst or whatever, but you know, look at Saquon Barkley. He's fairly heavy dude, but he carries probably, 200 pounds in just his legs alone so, so so i think if these these guys can potentially you know build muscle in the right places uh they won't lose that step but it will help them with injuries down the road because that that's my biggest knock on devonta smith is that he looks like he's going to get hit once and he, he's going to snap in half like a twiglet i was just going to ask you that do you think that's the biggest knock for you on devonta smith like yeah he <laughs> literally is built like a what's it that, that the, the biggest worry for me is does he make it to a second contract? No, he's twenty three. I think he's twenty three at the minute. So five years, twenty eight with all that, with all those hits, that is the biggest question mark of the team that's drafting him. He's got great physical ability as well, and he's like six foot one, six foot two. So he's kind of like ideal height for a receiver, but. He needs to put on 20 pounds of muscle to even be at a point where he's not going to get absolutely broken when he takes... You imagine Jamal Adams hitting him. He will snap in half. It like... I know we're talking about, oh, look, he's done well at college, but that's the thing. It's it's college. You're not coming up against NFL-level players. Look, I, I know we talk... I hype him up and say, oh, the LSU team of 2019 could beat the Jets of last year or whatever. But they couldn't because every player on the Jets team is an NFL caliber player. I know that's arguable, but they, they've all made it to the NFL. And Smith isn't playing against guys week in, week out that are going to be in the NFL for sure, a handful. But if he gets hit by like a big linebacker, he, he might not get up. 
you know, when you've got 50 pounds on the dude, and in some cases, these bigger linebackers who went in like 250 pounds or whatever have 80 pounds on him, it just doesn't seem like he's going to be able to take those sort of hits regularly and still be able to get up and after his first four years, potentially even make it to a second contract because it, he just looks too frail. I mean, look, I'm, I'm what, 180 at my biggest. I've been hit by like 250 pound dudes and that did not feel good. I wouldn't want to do that for four years. And I know obviously he's different mustard because he's been playing at Alabama and everything, but he's never really been hit that hard when he was playing at Alabama. And I know I talk about the SEC being, you know, great defensively, but a lot of those guys are finesse guys like Derek Stingley and stuff who are, you know, only outweigh him by 30 pounds, but I just, I can't see him being good because I feel like he's going to get breathed on wrong. And, you know, imagine he goes to play at Lumen Field, which is the, I hate the new name, sorry, Lou. But if he goes to play at Lumen Field, he might get caught by a draft of wind and fly out the stadium. He'd be missing action for two weeks. They'll find him a week later stuck in a tree at the other side of Oregon because he's blown away. It's just, oh, it doesn't make sense to me how people have got him above waddle and chase and even i think even guys like rashad bateman will be better in the league than devonta smith just purely because of his size it sounds like a, a podcast for in the future and uh yeah comparing these wide receivers as they get and i'll get on through the league but yeah we'll, we'll kind of we'll kind of keep the pace going we'll move on um uh, raj we'll come to you for your for your loser from uh, your pro days so this guy was a loser, but he has the most winning name. So it's Michael McCorkle Jones, otherwise known as Mac Jones. So just that, he, that, what a name. But anyway, so the, the, reason, the reason why he's the loser is because you have to take it into context of obviously what happened this week with the 49ers trading up and all the hype from people like Chris Sims and other people around the league saying, uh, Shanahan's fallen in love with Mac Jones and et cetera, et cetera. And it coincidentally meant that Shanahan was going to attend his pro day. And also coincidentally, Fields was having his pro day on the same day. So there was obviously going to be that comparison. Okay, let's see what you've got. Now, like what Andy said earlier, don't put too much stock into the quarterback drills and, and their throwing drills, et cetera, et cetera, because there's no pressure you're asking them to do basically what they do on the training on the training pitch every day however everyone's seen the memes everyone's seen the gifts of a couple of throws whereby he's completely overshot the receiver and Belichick shaking his head and and um and Shanahan looking it up into the sky and for me the the why he's a loser then obviously because Fields had a great pro day in comparison and maybe he didn't deal with the pressure with Belichick and Shanahan being there, um, he just did not perform to the level that a number three pick should have been. And we've all got our doubts about whether he's even uh, in the conversation as a number three pick with Fields and and Trey Lance, uh, also within that conversation. However, it's a case of he didn't perform under pressure. He looked he looked lethargic. Um, we all know that in, in, for Alabama, your numbers are going to look great because the scheme is so good that you're going to be guys are wide open, and any any half decent quarterback should be should be hitting those guys. On his pro day, these guys are wide open without a defense, and he missed the, well from the clips that, that have been circulated. He's missed them not not by 
a close margin. He's missed them by absolutely miles. Mm. And you look at Fields' pro day, his his sexy rollout that all quarterbacks seem to be doing with uh, Zach Wilson's rollout, Lawrence's rollout, Fields' rollout, Lance's rollout, even Keller Mond's epic rollout yesterday. Uh, Mac Jones couldn't do that or didn't show that. And it's a case of, uh, for me, he's not an, he's not pick number three. Shanahan would be an absolute fool to pick him at three. You, there's not a lot you can cr- criticise Shanahan with, but if he was to pick him three over Fields especially, then... Uh, it, uh, it, I can't really explain because it, he, he should not. He should not be within that conversation. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the number three pick could be a podcast topic of its own. Maybe it will be in the next couple of weeks. But um, yeah, I mean, I put it out there on on Twitter from the full ten yard CFB handle that you know is Matt Jones worth a first round pick? And it was just about yes. I think it was like fifty six to forty four percent the vote in the voting yes. And then I put out a follow up poll to say like where should he be drafted. Um, or, you know, uh, well, will he be drafted, should I say? Um, not where should he be drafted. And the vast majority of people said between 17 and 32. So does that, what does that kind of say? I think he's going to get overdrafted, especially if it is that third round, third pick overall, sorry, not third round pick. Um, but yeah, it's scary to think, isn't it, of this, this player being drafted so high because it doesn't look like it. It doesn't like it on tape. It doesn't like it on the pro day. And as like you say, there's no defense around. So, yeah, worrying. I mean, not from a, not from anyone else who doesn't support the 49ers' point of view. But if I was a 49ers fan, I'd be I'd be a bit worried. Liam, obviously, you're enjoying this as a as a kind of 49ers rival as well. Yeah, I would. Like, yeah, I think they should uh, take him at number three overall. <laughs> Speaking as a Seattle Seahawks fan, that's what we um, need. We need more shit housery on this podcast. <laughs> I think no. you bring it. I think you bring it for sure. Raj's point about Justin Fields' pro day happening at exactly the same time as Mac Jones's is the main reason that made it look even worse than it was. I don't think people should have been asking Mac Jones to be rolling out a la Zach Wilson and, and Justin Fields. So you kind of know from the tape what sort of quarterback he is and what you're going to get and what he does well. But then some of those medium to long passes that were going astray is what looked bad. And at the same time, when you're watching that and then there's news about Justin Fields' uh, 40 time coming in and and he interviewed really well as well I thought and he's making the the throws that he was uh, yeah that kind of accentuated it a lot that Justin Fields was having such a good time when Mac Jones uh, was seemed to be struggling mm. yeah and I think, I, I think also one thing you have to caveat with Mac Jones as well is everyone's going to be looking at how Tua did last year and obviously how uh, the Alabama scheme schemes open wide receivers and makes it a lot easier for the quarterback. Tua has more athletic traits. He's more elusive in the pocket. He has better accuracy. So what you wanted to see from Mac Jones is, can he even, because he doesn't have those qualities, can he do something differently that can elevate him to be a top 10 pick? And it was very clear in his pro, in his pro day. There isn't, what Tua has and obviously Tua was coming back last year from the broken hip and and uh, the, it's probably taken me a year to acclimatise but the Alabama scheme is so quarterback friendly that if, if he hasn't got the traits that Tua has then he, for me he's going to struggle if he didn't show it in his pro day. Also Tua is a million times better than Mac Jones I just want to get that out of the way I know we obviously hype people always get hyped about Mac Jones and stuff but but like I've said before, he's a chubby AJ McCarron. He, he's not 
I don't think he's ever going to eclipse better than that. And I think he will be a bit of a bust. A lot of the group chat I'm in right now is like, oh, we should get Mac Jones. And I'm like, well, no, because he's not very good for a start. Yeah, I just think Tua has demonstrated how much better he is than Mac Jones. That I I think Raj is 100% correct. Why, Why would you take Mac Jones? It just doesn't make any sense to me. All right, let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. Kieran, you've got to finish this off uh, talking about one of your favourite players as a bit of a loser, which must be hurtful. Yeah, he, he didn't have... Look, I'm going to have to say what I said for the Jamar Chase thing. Don't put that much stock in the combine. But Elijah Molden, who, in my opinion, should be up there in, in, in terms of cornerback two or three, he, he's absolutely exceptional, but, you know didn't really impress i know he's only like five foot ten five foot eleven but 36.5 inch vertical roughly around the 440 range on his 40 and he just didn't look uh, as an exceptional athlete as his tape may suggest like i said he's never been a big guy he's never been like crazy physical or strong but people put a lot of stock in these numbers and while i have him up there as one of the most elite quarterbacks in this class and when we talk about how the iq plays into it and play recognition and how cerebral he is when he plays i think this is going to hurt him on a lot of teams draft boards like i said these people put stock in stuff like this even though it doesn't really matter yeah, it just was a poor show, and I expected more because what you see on minimum tape, he had a. You tagged me on Twitter the other week, a great pick, and he had on Zach Wilson, where mm. Zach Wilson had no idea who was there, and he just sort of popped up and snagged the ball out of midair. So his pro day was very unimpressive, but also, like I say, don't put too much stock in this. I still think he's talented. I still think he's exceptional. But like I said, his strength has never been as an athlete. It, it's been his brain, his IQ, his play recognition and everything he does up here rather than what he does with his body. So, you know, it is a very disappointing pro day. And, and I think people are going to maybe mark him down for it because this does matter to a lot of people. And, you know, some NFL LGMs don't know what they're doing, but some clearly do. And even the ones who know what they're doing are probably still going to mark him down on this. But it just was disappointing given how high I was on him to, to maybe not see him have the athletic potential that he could have and give it, given the time off and stuff. But yeah, yeah, it was tough to watch, but I still, I still have high hopes for him and maybe he can outperform the, the rather muted pro day performance he put on. Yeah. I mean, like you say, some NFL teams are going to overreact to this, probably want to go put him safety at some point. Um, and I played there a little bit for Washington, but I, I do have some concerns. Obviously, he was insulated a lot by Washington's system. He had a lot of help around him because they play a lot of DBs. You know, is he going to be able to play better in space? Uh, I don't know. I think he's a pure nickel guy for me anyway, so he's going to have you know, linebackers and he's going to have an outside corner to his side. But, yeah, I mean, I was expecting more. I'd like to see more from him. Like you said, I think you were exactly right in a lot of what you say, said Sorry, in terms of... Um, you know, the fact that he's not an athletic player and we knew that, and it's about not reacting, you know, counting it twice kind of thing um, in a negative sense this time, going back to what I was saying at the top of the programme. But um, yeah, would have wanted a little bit more from Elijah Morgan for this one. Like like I said, he's a small guy. He doesn't have the biggest wingspan and, and height or whatever. But like I said, that's never been... 
he's not one of these cornerbacks, especially the more inexperienced guys. We've even seen it with like Patrick Sertain, Caleb Farley and stuff. They kind of can get their eyes caught in the backfield at times from from pre-snap movement and stuff. And that just doesn't happen to Elijah Molden. I think if he's got the brain of uh, like a Mike linebacker almost, the way he can anchor and command a defense. So oh, it's just going to be interesting to see where he goes. He's clearly a very talented young man. And this is just frustrating to not, see him have a pro day that really because like I said even though I don't really give a a damn sorry about pro days it kind of comes can shoot some people up the draft board so this this may mark him down which is disappointing because I think any team who who needs a cornerback to would be lucky to have this man because he's even though his athletic ability clearly leaves something to be desired he's his his brain just is on another level when it comes to recognizing things, and and I think that's really going to benefit him when it comes it comes to the NFL because he's already used to looking at these exotic looks and dealing with pre snap motions. And in the Pac twelve, it's obviously a very pass heavy conference, so so he's had the sort of experience going up against pass heavy offenses, which I think will actually complement him in the NFL. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's a good player. He's a really, really good player on tape. But yeah, would have wanted a little bit more out of him for this one. Um, didn't test very well across the sorry, excuse me. Didn't test well across the board. Um, but yeah, he's going to be bagging someone out there. I think he's a very, very good player. I think you're, you're right in a lot of what you say. Um, but yeah, no, we do have one more guy to talk about. And uh, yeah, Liam, hit us up with your loser. The guy who uh, I quite like on tape, and he had a good um, senior bowl week as well, but uh, not a very good pro day. Is uh, Demetric Felton um, measuring at uh, five eight and a half and one hundred and eighty nine pounds isn't isn't too bad. And after what he's shown on tape and at the Senior Bowl, he's kind of getting the the kind of buzz as like a wide receiver running back hybrid, similar to Antonio Gibson of last year. And uh, although Gibson was a bit bigger and uh, and also um, tested a lot better. Um, Felton ran the 14 459, um, which is a bit slower than I was expecting, especially as uh, I thought that he was fairly light. Um, his vertical broad shuttle three cone, all like really poor. His three cone was like way down. Um, a lot of offensive linemen would have been quicker. And uh, just it comes back to that uh, trust the tape time now with him um, because I think he was ready. I mean, similar to uh, bring back Gibson again, similar to how he kind of rose. I think Felton was kind of in that, that window, especially after the senior bowl of potentially rising into the second day. And I think that kind of takes it away quite badly. Actually, I think the tested was very poor. Yeah. It's kind of that juxtaposition, isn't it? Between, a good senior ball and that's when your tape comes in and can your eyes you trust your eyes and then you come and you put it in and it's just like oh okay so the numbers aren't great he's got that skill set like i say that i think teams will like um especially on tape and i think that's why that's why i picked him out it's a real shame that uh he didn't test anywhere near as well i don't you know you wouldn't didn't expect him to um you know do like uh you know just grade out as high as and test as well as like the kind of real high echelons of the of the class, but um, yeah, disappointing. Yeah, well, well obviously, you've, we've talked obviously about wide receiver running backs. You know, he's kind of played a bit of both. 
what did you kind of see for him in the NFL, given you know the numbers and obviously the tape that we saw at the senior ball and obviously at UCLA as well? Yeah, I like him as I liked him as uh, as a running back, but and then you know if people want to to try him as, as a receiver, yeah, I can see it. he's kind of a bit less of a, a gadget player than some of the guys that we've spoken about. So yeah, try him as a as a slot guy, and um, this is all going by tape now because of uh, because of his poor testing. But um, yeah, I think that's kind of where he, his value I think lies and where he he can project at the next level. Yeah, he's, he's again going to be another day three kind of flyer for some people. I think he can carve out a decent role in the league, to be honest with you. I don't think his numbers are, you know, going to stop him too much. I think you can see on his tape that he's a, he's a bit of a, a jitterbug, isn't he? He can kind of make people miss. And he's got some speed. He's got some route running ability as well that he showed at the senior ball as well. So, yeah, not too long too far for me. I don't think he's a reflecting. I always have a day three player anyway, personally. I don't know about you. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. It's... Um... He's just not going to rise anymore, is he? He's going to just yeah. He's just going to stick there on in that yeah. day three range. Yeah, no, no, for sure. I completely agree. Uh, but yeah, that's all we've got time for. Um, really good conversations surrounding a heck of a lot of players um, around these pro days. Not reacting too much, kind of caveating a lot at the beginning of the podcast. But yeah, it's another kind of ticking the box in the draft process, and we are almost well. By the time you listen to this, it will be draft month. You know, it will be April. We're recording on the eve of the 31st few hours away from April. So, yeah, no, thanks for sticking with us this one. Um, we'll give out a couple of quick handles and uh, we'll get out of here. So, Liam, we'll start with you back at you as well. You can uh, find me on Twitter at Liam66NFL. Um, yeah, just everything NFL draft is going to be, uh, yeah, just more and more stuff on there. Hopefully a few big, bigger announcements coming out and, of course, the full 10-yard scouting guide as well. And when are, you, when are your um, uh, positional rankings going to drop for everyone? hopefully be uh in the kind of i'm aiming for about the 20th of april like the, it's usually where i go for like okay. uh, a week 10 days before the before the thing starts so we've got we've got a couple of weeks yet so you've got a bit of work to get done on that i guess no i know it's still it's still <laughs> slogging through it man it's, it's, it's gonna take up my time but yeah it's gonna be worth it yeah it's definitely gonna be well, for, well worth the read as well so anyone who kind of uh yeah keep your eyes peeled for that one moving forward from liam uh, Raj, tell us where we can find you. So you can find me on Twitter at the underscore Garch. Um, there are a couple of articles pending this week. One talking about my guy, Kyle Pitts, and why he has to be a Miami Dolphin and comparing him with Jamar Chase on today's Pro Day. And also going to do an article about what we learned from the 2019 draft and going into this year's draft as well. Um, there's been a couple of articles talking about the trade that happened last week as well as the wide receiver classes so check me out on, on twitter and you'll see all those articles also um plenty of uh, draft guide information as well so pick up your draft guide and again it's going to be a fun week of uh, the lead up to the draft so there you go absolutely yeah no looking forward to that uh those, well both of those articles really but definitely the one um about Kyle Pitts obviously we had a bit of a conversation about that as a group and yeah we kind of uh, didn't really mention Kyle Pitts but absolutely blew the doors off his pro day earlier on today as well uh, putting up plenty of numbers that you would have seen by the time this comes out. Last one then before me, Kieran, tell us where we can find you. I'm at the Himbo F10Y on the Twitter. Very exciting things coming up. We've obviously got a new episode of Kieran's Corn that will be out next week. 
can't tell you what team it is just yet. We will be having a very special Bengals guest on in future and actually a very special YouTube collaboration coming up very soon with the one, the only Scott Fisher, who, as many of you know, produces some of the best college football content out there. And he will actually be using our draft guide to talk about players who are are draft picks uh, and guys he's high on in this upcoming year. So look out for those very, very soon. Yeah, awesome. Really, really good to link up with Scott. Um, and uh, obviously, you know, to him to use our draft guide as well. Massive, massive pull for us. A guy who's in Rondale more in person quite a few times as he attends Purdue. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm sure we'll be pulling for him uh, moving forward. Um, but yeah, no, to just give Andy a shout out because he's obviously dropped off to join the NFL stream. Um, at AJ Moore 21, knocking out all sorts of wide receiver articles. Um, obviously, that's every recording on Wednesday. Put out another great one on Tynan Wallace with a bit of a draft profile. So, yeah, um, I'm sure he's got a couple more in the pipeline as well over the next week or so. Uh, so, yeah, if you're enjoying Andy's wide receiver content, there's plenty more where that came from. And last up for me, at Wakefield90 on Twitter and also at CFB. I'm usually behind the family handle. And obviously, like we've all said, it's just draft content all the way, all the, of course, even ahead all the way through April. And uh, yeah, obviously got podcasts from us every single week. So yeah, like I say, come back, hit us up next time. And uh, yeah, like Raj said a minute ago, get your draft guide in. Uh, We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, full10yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at full10yardscfb. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.